So, anybody have a birthday today? You do? <laughs> Is it your birthday today? Really? How old? Four? Well, happy birthday. That is fantastic. Now, you know, when, um, and, and it was a small church, um, so it was maybe in one sense easy to do, but every time there was a birthday in the church, small church, for the last six years we were in England that I pastored, we would sing happy birthday to anyone who had a birthday that week or whatever, not necessarily maybe on the day. Um, so I'm very tempted that we sing happy birthday to her. <laughs> Let's do. What's your name? Cadence. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that a beautiful name? Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Cadence. Happy birthday to you. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Well, you know what? It's someone else's birthday. This is going on, so it's easy for me to talk about this. And okay, none of you who have your ESPN app are allowed to tell me what's happened in the match this morning, okay? Because I recorded it, and I'm waiting until I get home to watch it. No, I'm a big England fan, okay? Big England fan. I'm hoping they won. They're going to be Belgium on Thursday. Oh, I don't know. No, but it's Lionel Messi's birthday today. He's, the, he's 31 years old today. Um, and if you know a little bit about his life, he went through a lot of struggles to get where he is today. But he plays for Argentina. He's their striker. And uh, he's a much better player than Maradona because he's more honest. Uh, but that's going to be another story I can talk about another time. But um, his birthday is today. But you know that every day there is something to celebrate. And uh, the next slide is going to show you some of the things that are today. There's celebration of the census day. You know, all those fragrances, all those different flowers, I guess, and everything. And museum comes to life day. Um, the next one I'm not going to participate in, swim a lap day. I like to survive. Uh, I don't know that I could. I could walk through the pool, maybe. I don't know. But, um, International fairy day. And UF, uh, World UFO Day. Now, okay, I realize, some of you realize, I thought UFO World Day was the 2nd of July, next Monday, eight days from now. Well, it is too. For some reason, they have two of those World UFO Days. So the last Sunday of June is always Descendants Day, Log Cabin Day, and this is a good one, America's Kids Day. So Cadence, this is your day. America Kids Day. Isn't that wonderful? So there are celebrations that take place. And we're going to look at a passage in 1 Chronicles 16, if you want to turn there, that talks about a celebration. And uh, I'm going to read these first few verses that you'll see up on the screen in a moment. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to look at some aspects of this passage. 1 Chronicles 16, uh, the first five verses. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, 
He blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to everyone a, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we realize that you are the one who is the source of all of our life and our being. And we thank you that we can gather together to worship and to praise you and to celebrate what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and that he not only died in our place, but that he rose again the third day just as he said he would. And we're thankful for the salvation that we have. But yet we know that there may be people even amongst us, and there's certainly people that we know that do not know this eternal life that we enjoy, this forgiveness of sins that we speak about. And so we would ask that you would speak to each of our hearts in ways that only you can by your spirit so that Jesus Christ would be glorified through this time, and it would be you that we would hear this morning from your word for your glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Three words we're going to look at in this uh, combined psalm. This is really three psalms, or parts of three psalms, rather, that uh, are later in the Psalter, and it's attributed to David, but we don't know if it was, but David delivered this to Asaph for them to then sing this song. Um, from Psalm 105, Psalm 96, and Psalm 106. And there are three words that I want you to think about in this commemorate, to thank, and to praise. And, and in your translation, I'm using the New King James uh, Version, you, you will have other words there possibly in, in there. Like that, uh, as an example, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And I forgot to mention the most important day today. If I could backtrack and remind myself of what I forgot, National Pralines Day. Okay, if you're coming to our house tonight, sorry if you haven't already signed up, you're going to get some fudge and some chocolate. I can guarantee you that. We kind of hoped our son was going to be here because he's a chocolatier and he makes handmade chocolates and his pink, pink peppercorn and praline would have been perfect for today, but that's a dad bragging about his son, isn't it? Um, but the three words we're going to look at are these words, mark, worship, and celebrate. I'll try to explain these words, I trust, but I hope you will get it. The first one, mark. We all mark different days. We all commemorate something, don't we? Um, and so David says here in this passage, remember, if you go down to verse 12, and we're kind of looking in the middle at the first of this passage, in verse 12, he says this, Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. 
the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. When you were few in number, indeed very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another and from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. So David is saying you need to remember his covenant. You need to remember his marvelous works. What do you remember of the marvelous works and the wonders that God has done and the judgments of his mouth in your life? Each of us who are in Christ have something we can remember. April 8th, 1975, at 1 o'clock in the morning, that's when I was given eternal life. Not because of anything that I had done, but because God saved me at that time. A couple of years before that, unknown to me and unknown to her, my wife on April 18th came to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. So for me, I like to think I'm only 43 years of age. I know that's not true in physical years, but in real life, that's what it is. That makes me a young man, doesn't it? <laughs> but we're to remember his marvelous works and think of all the things that God has done for you in your life in ways that you didn't think before that were ever possible. There are people here that know that very deeply. God has done wonderful works in your life. God has done wonderful works in your heart and in your life. And we're to remember those things. We're to mark them. You know, we celebrate birthdays, don't we? We, you know, um, I, my 15th birthday, they landed on the moon. What, what greater celebration could you have in a sense, you know? Um, and, uh, there are things that mark in our life events that took place that we know that only God could have done that. And he says, we are to remember that he is the Lord our God. His judgments are on all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. This shirt that I wear today was given to me by a very dear servant of the Lord that I met in the Philippines. Six months later, he went into eternity unexpectedly. He was diabetic and he went into an unknown diabetic shock and died before his family had found him early in the morning. But Vernon de Jesus would rise early to pray. Vernon de Jesus advanced the gospel. His ministry, he, he sought to establish his ministry within the, the framework of a true ministry, he called it. Tribal ministry into the tribes of the Philippines, a rural ministry into the villages of the Philippines, and an urban ministry into the great cities of the Philippines. 
And so when I wear this shirt, I'm reminded of him. And I don't wear it that often, but it reminds me, it marks something for me. And I don't want to take away from what was said before because I thought Ray's message on Remembrance Stones was so helpful to think of those things and to write them down. And that's similar in this, in what I'm saying. There are certain dates that will be remembered and we sung about those earlier, and we'll come back to that a little bit as well. But in the UK, when 9-11 happened, we were there when that was happening here. And one of the songs that ministered to us and to many other people was in Christ alone. No matter what happens, my hope is found in him and in him alone. But also, a number, I'm a numbers person. I, I like numbers. My, my favorite number is 14. How many remember a great baseball player that had number 14? Who? Ernie Banks. I wasn't thinking of him, but I'll take it. That's a good player. Yes. That's right. Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Charlie Hustle. I mean, he ran out a certain out. He would run as if he was going to get a hit. Charlie Hustle. Now, he's not been known for that sense in one sense, has he? But, you know, number 14 was my favorite number. I, I didn't know that God was going to mark in my life with that number in various ways. Because October 14th was when Vernon de Jesus died. A different year, but November 14th was when my dad went to be with the Lord. And December 14th, and a different year, was when my brother was probably murdered because that's the day he went missing. And later we subsequently found out that he was murdered. And then January 14th. So I got like four months in a row and I'm thinking of the 14th. And it's a good thing. Because I know these people are with the Lord and they're safe. But it also reminds me of their lives and what they had in my life. And the 14th of January is Dr. Veruchi Dalavai from India that... Um, some of you may remember was here and spoke at a conference some years ago, but was very, I, I traveled with him. There were things that I learned from him that I, I, I just amazed at who he was and what God used him in his life and ministry and how that encourages me to continue on in spite of things that might take place. So there are dates that might remind you of things I love the fact that in the Philippines, they will, on the dates of the death of an individual that was dear to them, like Vernon, his family will gather around his gravesite, not to mourn, but to rejoice, but to give praise, and to worship God, and to thank God for his life and for his ministry. So there are, there are works of various sorts that we are to mark in remembrance but we're also to remember that this tabernacle here is to remind us that the center of human history is where the love of God and the sin of man meet. It is the cross that it's depicting, where Jesus died for our sins to reconcile us back to God. The cross is the focal point of all history and of the entire scriptures. The Old Testament points ahead to it. The New Testament points back to it. The tabernacle was a picture of the cross. But it was like a Polaroid photo. It was still developing. What is this? What does it mean? 
But you came into the tabernacle guilty and you went out forgiven. That was why you offered the sacrifice. It was attributed to Augustine when speaking of the two testaments, he said this, the new is contained, the new is in the old contained, the old is in the new explained. So the Old Testament is to point us to Christ as well as what we know in the New Testament. So when he is saying, remember his marvelous works, he is also saying, remember his covenant forever. You see, there are two primary covenants, and we, we couldn't go into all the different covenants, but let me just give you a basic, as Ed Landry's outlined in one of his books, Light in the Shadows, he says, the two primary covenants says God is dealing, that God is dealing with is redemption, God getting his people back, and kingdom, God getting his stuff back. Abraham and David, the lamb and the lion. Redemption is about fallen man getting into proper relationship with God. Kingdom is about man becoming part of God's eternal reign. You, in Christ, have eternal life. If I could put it this way, you don't get that when you die. You have that when you're saved. You just get to enjoy it from that point. Go to um, the, the moral law shows man his need of redemption. The ceremonial law shows man the way back to God. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1 ties together at the beginning of this the old and the new. states from the very first verse, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. Judah begat Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begat Hezron, Hezron begat Ram. Ram begat Aminadab, Aminadab begat Nashon, Nashon begat Salmon, Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. But this book, of course, Matthew, is about the greater king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that he is the king of kings, and has always been the king of kings and lord of lords, the story, both testaments point to the very same historical point on the timeline of humanity, the cross. Remember, they put the crown of thorns on his head. Hail, king of the Jews, not realizing he is the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. Both Testaments present the way of salvation as grace through faith. That is how people found eternal life in any time in human history. The story never changed because God never changed. Malachi says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Remember, this tabernacle that David is setting up is a, was a picture of the cross, a preview of the coming attraction it pointed out many aspects of God's plan to redeem his fallen creation and restore his kingdom reign, which in another 
very definite truth is his reign was never in question. He has always reigned. Let me read to you what um, Ed Landry says in his book, Light in the Shadows, about the altar. In, his chap- in the chapter, Blood on the Doorstep, on page 91, he talks about the proper use of altars by God's people. He says, it always presented a message of sin, death, and substitution of an innocent sacrifice. The tabernacle had an altar, a large bronze one. When a sinner came in from the desert, the wood fire was roaring, and the sound of pain and squealing was everywhere as animals were being slaughtered. Priests in white garments were splattered in blood, and the sand was red all around the killing stations and the altar. Blood ran down the bronze sides of the altar as priests with large bronze flesh hooks turned the carcasses and placed new ones on the large grate in the center of the altar. Death was in the air. No one questioned what the wages of sin were. One day, God's pure lamb would be placed on the altar of Calvary and bleed until he died. And we sang about that this morning, didn't we? We sang about that. And with those words, when he, on the cross, in his last breath, his last bleeding, he uses that term of what a, a sheep would be as he writes this. With those words, it is finished. Thousands of years and myriads of animal sacrifices came to an end. Their purpose was over. The shadow was finished. And so this tabernacle is a shadow of what was to come. But there was light there. In another part of his book, he, he talks about talking to a chalk artist, and I am not an artist. Give me um, some charcoal, and I can build a fire, you know, <laughs> but, but to, to make something a little bit different, you know, to draw. But in talking to a, a, a charcoal artist, that artist said, I always do the shadows first. That's interesting. Before the picture is revealed, I, 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 the shadows are the important part. And so this tabernacle was being set up later. The one in Gibeon and this one in Jerusalem that David set up were to be unified in Solomon's temple. And Solomon repeats many of the things that we will see here. The tabernacle was a constant picture of what God would do one day through Jesus' death on the cross. But then not only is a mark a call to remember God, and those things were marked, and that was what's happening in the tabernacle and what David was setting up. This is marking. This is to remind us that sin is serious, but that grace is available. Bring the offering, and you will be accepted. You come in guilty with that offering. You go out forgiven. Because the blood has been shed and the blood has been given. And it was a picture of what Jesus was going to do one day. But then the next part of it is not only to commemorate the Lord God of Israel by marking a call to remember the Lord, but then worship a call to give glory to the Lord, to thank the Lord God of Israel was the second part of what David had said they were to do in that fifth verse back in 1 Chronicles 16. There in 1 Chronicles 16, he says this. 
from verse 8 back to the beginning of that passage. Actually, verse 7, David said, On that day David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Here is worship. Here is the worship of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Here is what he is calling the individual to glory in God's name. Not glory in yourself. Not glory in your accomplishments, but glory in what he has done. And then to sing that to him. And we'll come to that a bit later. But then if you go down to verse 22, it's not only the individual, but notice in verse 22, uh, verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations. That is not, that, that, that is not a John Piper quote, okay? But that's what John Piper quoted from another psalm, of course, but from this as well. But it is what God's word says, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens, honor and majesty are before him, strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Here is not just you, nation of Israel. Not just those who've gathered at this tabernacle. But this is for all peoples. Now that was different than any other nation around them. Because when you went to worship at the altar of other gods, it was the God of that nation. And often you would find, and this is what Nebuchadnezzar had done too, Nebuchadnezzar would take a nation and take their God materials and say, look what we defeated. And that's what everyone who defeated a nation sought to do because they had worshipped idols and not the true and living God. But they thought, we conquered their God because we conquered them. And this was different. This wasn't just for Israel to worship. This is for us Gentiles. Isn't that beautiful? That we get to worship too. We get to come to the altar. We get to come to him. It's emphatic that God wants his glory to be in all nations. And now I will, will quote Piper, and I'm not trying to be derogatory towards John Piper in what I said earlier, okay? Please don't even think that. True worship is based on a right understanding of God's nature and it is a right valuing of God's worth. What do you value? 
I love sports in some ways. But I don't have to live according to that. God had to knock it out of me when we went to England. When we went to England in 1981, there was no internet, okay? There was no ESPN app. There was no iPhone even thought of. I couldn't check the sports scores. What are my Cleveland Indians doing? Well, I know what my Cleveland Indians were doing back then, but that's another story. But um, I couldn't follow anything in American sports anymore. And God just knocked it right out of me. And rightly so, because we can worship sports. We can worship so many different things than the one who has the greatest value and worth of all. Jesus in John 4, and I'm not doing this because, but I am thirsty actually. <laughs> but in John 4, he's there at the Samaritan, with a Samaritan woman at the well, isn't he? She thought, worship's a place. Worship's a place. And he said this. He turned to John 4. This is what Jesus said to her about worship. He said this. In verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You see, to worship is to thank God for who he is and value who he is and what he has done. It says to sing to him, sing psalms to him, Sing to the Lord all the earth. But worship is more than just singing. Spurgeon says about uh, this part of the passage in his Treasury of David, he says, to worship the Lord and seek his kingdom and righteousness is a sure way to happiness. And indeed, there is no other. Value God. Worship him above all others. Remember, he had said there in that passage back in in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, he said, For all the gods of the peoples are idols. They're made by man, but the Lord made the heavens, even the things we cannot see. He made everything. There's nothing that he has not made. Spurgeon goes on to state about singing. Bring your best thoughts and express them in the best language to the sweetest sounds. Take care your singing is unto him, and not merely for the sake of the music or to delight the ears of others. Singing is no different in exercise than it is a pity 
singing is so delightful an exercise that it is a pity so much of it should be wasted upon the trifles or worse than trifles, something that's worth nothing, not the English trifle you eat, <laughs> but those things that are insignificant. Hebrews 13 says this in verses 15 and 16. If you turn there, this is a passage that speaks about our sacrifice of praise. At the end of this book, it says this in chapter 13 and verses 15 and 16. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. I couldn't share with you anything from National Creamy Pralines Day. But there are chocolates when you leave. But more importantly, there's an important thing that we should do to praise the Lord God of Israel is to celebrate who he is. Notice in verse 30 of back in our passage in 1 Corinthians 16. In verse 30, it says this, Tremble before him all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field rejoice in all that is in it. Let the trees of the woods then the trees of the woods shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. I'm going to give you a challenge this week. And I know sometimes when, you know, you're given, oh, I don't know. I want you to think about this because one of the Psalms in here is Psalm 96. Almost the whole of that Psalm is in this passage we've read. And so I'm going to give you a challenge for every day to do something. Let's see where I put that. But there is... A challenge for you to do every day. It'll come up on the screen here in a moment. A week with Psalm 96. These are some things to do. And I want to point out right away, on Saturday, I am not saying the Lord is returning, okay? When you look at this, okay? I want you to know that. In the many things that I looked at in the past few weeks, one of the things that says about today, that today is the end of the world. Um, well, maybe for some sports fans it might be, who knows? But no. But it's to remember these things on these different days. And the, one of the first ones is something that I think we, we really struggle with because we all have preferences when it comes to different types of music. Uh-oh. He just said 
the bad word. (laughs) I want you to think about this. Listen to these sayings. This is from a group that I'm not real familiar with, but I've heard some of their songs, but this is what they say. We have a savior that has come between us and the wrath of God. God's not as interested in the source or the success of our career as he is in the posture of our hearts. We believe that music is important, but the word of God is the food. And if you know 10th Avenue North, they said that. One of the songs that's often gone through, and and I I, I have a lot of variety of music that I think of, and so if I, I am not trying to offend anyone by saying about, okay, I just want you to realize that some of these who give us the songs to sing, it's like what David did. They're saying it out of what they've gone through and how they've seen God work in their lives. And out of the word of God, they they give us something that we can give praise to God. Stuart Townend and Keith Getty wrote In Christ Alone. And then Stuart Townend wrote that second song we sang. Right after that. That speaks of the beauty of what God has done for us. But there's been times where Your Love Defends Me by Matt Mayer and Endless Hallelujahs by Matt Redman, Come As You Are by David Crowder. And my new song this week that I'm going to look for and listen to, whether it comes out of my Pandora or not, I'm going to look for it and I'm going to try and listen to it, is God of All My Days by Casting Crowns. There's a song that Louis Giglio, Chris Tomlin, and another individual, I forgot to put his name down here, wrote that Lauren Daigle sings. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. That's when we talk about singing psalms to him. We want God to speak to us his truth. And out of a great loss of a child, Hilary Scott wrote, Thy will... This is a very special song recently to my wife and I. She says, I know you're good, but this doesn't feel good right now. And I know you think of things I could never think about. It's hard to count it all joy, distracted by the noise, just trying to make sense of all your promises. Sometimes I got to stop. Remember that you're God and I am not. That's a 26-year-old and a 32-year-old writing that. And probably one of my favorite artists, and I know it's someone else's here as well, is at 22, he buried his wife after less than five months of marriage. He's an old guy. He's 40 this year, back in January. But Jeremy Camp wrote, there will be a day I try to hold on to this world with everything I have, but I feel the weight of what it brings and the hurt that tries to grab the many trials that seem to never end. His word declares this truth that we will enter in this rest with wonders anew. But I hold on to this hope and the promise that he brings that there will be a place with no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face, but until that day, we'll hold on to you, Lord, always. But maybe you like... um, 
you know, some of the older hymns have been made new and, and brought into a modern setting in many respects. And um, one of those is what William Rees, a Welshman, wrote. He wrote it originally in Welsh and it was translated into English. It's similar to what we sang, how deep the Father's love to us and in Christ alone. Here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Who his love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the mount of crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above and heaven's peace and perfect justice kill, kissed, kissed a guilty world in love. We're probably all familiar with a modern rendition of It Is Well, um, but if you knew the story that at just... 35 years of age, Horatio Spafford, who had lost everything in a, it, that he was heavily invested in real estate on Lake Michigan shoreline and it evaporated in the Chicago fire of 1871, just a short time after his son died. So in desiring rest for his family, he decided to send his wife and daughters, they wanted to go on a European holiday or vacation. And so he planned this trip in 1873. In November of that year, he had to stay back because of business issues. He sent his wife and his daughters on ahead. The ship they were on was hit and sank in 12 minutes. Several days later, the survivors landed at Cardiff in Wales, and she cabled her husband to say this, saved alone lost four of his daughters. Immediately left to join his wife. He, he, they were friends with uh, Dwight Moody and Ira Sankey, and that's why one of the reasons they were going there to be involved in some of the campaigns he was doing. And it said that he penned it as well with my soul as he approached that area of ocean where his children were lost. And when you listen to that song and when you realize the depth of it is well with my soul, We sang earlier Charles, Charles Wesley's song, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Do you realize he wrote, on average, two hymns every week for 50 years, 6,500 hymns. But the one he wrote about his salvation experience is one that we may be familiar with. And can it be, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night, thine eye diffused the quickening ray, I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. When the next slide comes up, you're going to see the challenge from Psalm 96. Each day to look at something different. The first day to look at singing a new song. Maybe some of that, what I've said, is something new to you. Maybe there's other things that you could sing, but we want to remember that we're going to sing about who God is, that he is great, he is to be feared, he's the creator, he is the savior, he's the one who gives strength, 
He is the one who gives mercy. He deserves our honor, our majesty, our glory, our worship, and we should worship before him. And then as you go through this, Tuesday, not that you have to do this only on Tuesday, but maybe there's someone that you can proclaim the good news of his salvation to. Maybe there's something you can do on Wednesday to give glory to God in a different way than you have in the past. Thursday, to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. To remember on Friday, after you've had a busy week at work, God will judge righteously. God will take care of things. We don't know what is coming. We don't know where it's going to come from at times, but we can trust him and we can rest in him. His deeds, his wondrous works, his marvelous works, the judgments of his mouth, it is his glory that we seek to proclaim. And then next Sunday, we're going to worship together. And the great thing is, two weeks from today, Pastor Matt Watson will be here in this pulpit. What we have been praying for and waiting for God to provide the lead pastor for this ministry. And we're thankful, thankful for what God has done. And we can celebrate that. And we can look forward to what God is going to do through his ministry amongst us. In a moment, the, uh, the, the worship team is going to come up here and we're going to sing in a moment, Oh, Come to the Altar. And uh, as they come up, I just want to remind you that just as Wesley wrote hymns, you should look for those songs that did what Wesley did, where... It says of Wesley, he clothed Christ in flesh and blood and gave converts a belief that they could easily grasp, embrace with personal faith, and if even necessary, they could die for that faith. I left the last verse for the last slide, as it were, because I'd like for us to say it together if you can read it. It's 36th verse of this chapter. And then we're going to sing. Let's say together. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen. And praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord together. Come to the altar.